This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. Alright ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. My name is Rick Butler. We are back in studio to my right. That's Ryan Shumpert uh, across the table. That is Jack Foster. Gentlemen, tis the season. It's now December 1st. We are moving into this sort of bowl season, basketball season, kind of combination season. How are you guys doing? Happy December. We are here. I'm doing well. I... It feels like it's been a minute since we've been on one of these, at least all sitting in this room doing it and not doing a post-game pod. I guess I probably missed the last one. But something I just discovered, I was pulling up my classic ESPN pages, yeah, Tennessee pages, before okay. we talk. On a Tennessee football page, there's a, a video. I can't. It's not letting me click on it. Maybe just bad Wi-Fi down here. It says, the great Heisman race of 1997 trailer. Are we getting a oh, Are we wow. getting a thirty for thirty or oh, some snap. sort of documentary on the ninety seven? We might now be getting sick. an expose. Yeah, so that'd be pretty cool. That is that'll be cool. something people will be very upset watching since Peyton <laughs> didn't win, but right. that could yeah, uh, good for us, a for good us angry young, watch yeah. for us youngsters out there. It could be uh, some interesting uh, context for sure. That is, I'm no historian, but is that is that sort of looked at as like the most controversial Heisman? It, I would say so. You'd say so? At least in, like, the past. 30, 30 for 30 percent? There you go. Past 30 years, probably. Can so. you give it a quick Google and see if uh, there's any other information or... What date is it on? What time does it air, Ryan? Give well, us, a, I, give I us the, the trailer. I got the, the trailer on in silence right now, hoping it, it tells me a date yeah. at the end of it. <laughs> and, and get the time codes of December when they talk 9th, to Peyton. December 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Okay, nice. so that's a what? That's a what? We're figuring that's this eight out. eight days away. That's Saturday that's night. That's next Saturday night. No football. Great timing. Yeah. That yeah is good you timing. know what? That is pretty oh, good. Oh, wait. I Army, guess it's Navy. Probably, it's probably Saturday. the day before the day of the Heisman. or the Isn't it Army, Navy? Isn't that usually the day that the Heisman's on that night? The night of Army, Navy? Let me check. Sounds right. Heisman presentation. We're doing this all in real time. I don't even have Wi-Fi down here. How about that? Uh, I haven't signed into it yet. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, December 9th, that's pretty good. Jack, how you doing today? Hey, it's great. It's December 1st, first of the month, always a good time. Uh, graduating two weeks from today, so wow. that's exciting. Um, and man, Rick, month got started off, or yeah. I guess the month yeah. ended on a great note for you last night with a thrilling Dallas Cowboys victory. Oh my God, that was an awesome game. It's victory Friday for you. It was an awesome game. Yeah, yeah, To start the month, and CeeDee Lamb. Going off for my fantasy he team last night. Fantasy. Going off and for I, my fantasy team. Wow, look at us. Look at us. I had Jake Ferguson, too, also had a big game. We are all Paul oh, Rudd in this Yeah, moment. He was on my bench, so I uh, wish I could be there with you. I'm starting yeah. to report it. Well, you there. probably have a better Yeah, you have a better team. Jake Ferguson is not a great fantasy starting yeah, tight end. He's still good, I he's think. He's okay. I mean, yeah. he's he's a man. Like, you can start him and not feel bad. But he's not, like, the, like the guy you want to be your starting tight end. Yeah. I think he's going to develop into that, though. I think probably so, too. He's, he's, I, he's, he's, he's definitely... Uh, uh, trending upwards. Anyways, uh, can I get one thing off my chest real quick yes. uh, before we start this? We're, here's what we're going to be talking about today. And by the way, this is only going to be about two minutes or so. Uh, Tennessee football season recap. We're going to be talking about the transfer portal. We're going to be talking about some season-ending storylines. We're going to talk about some of the big things going on around college football. And, of course, we are going to also talk about Tennessee basketball. Uh, Tennessee was in uh, Honolulu last week. Uh, Ron and I just got back from Chapel Hill t- uh, following Tennessee to North Carolina for that game. So we got a whole range of topics to hit, but I want to talk about something real quick. 
Jack, you said it's a happy December. I said it's tis the season. Those are all good things, right? We're here in December. But you know what December also brings? No. What? What does it bring? Two words. Porch rats. And by rats, I mean pirates. But pirates are pretty good. Pirates are pretty good. What are you talking about? (laughs) You guys, you're just not familiar with the phrase, the porch pirates. It's when you get a package and they leave Uh, it on your door and somebody comes when you're not looking and they swipe it. Because that happened to me this week. Not even while we were gone. Ryan and I left for North Carolina at what? 11 o'clock in the morning, 1130, something like that. Yeah, something around that time. My package, which was full of my World Series merchandise. Stuff that I want. I've never had a championship. I've never had merchandise. And the first time that it comes right to my house, it gets swiped on Wednesday morning. So here's what I want to say. If you are one of those disgusting criminals out there, know that you are a criminal, that this is theft and robbery. (laughs) Know that you cannot get your own stuff, so you got to come and get my stuff off of my porch at 7 o'clock in the morning when nobody's even up to look for it. You are a terrible, low-down human being if you are walking around looking for packages on people's porches just to run up, swipe it, so you can either go and give it to somebody or go and resell it. You're a terrible human being. Absolutely terrible. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be thrown off the face of the planet, and I am sick of it, and if this happens again, I will cause an uproar. Not that I'm not sort of causing an uproar right now, but I am absolutely livid over this. Livid. If that is you, know that I will come for you. Will I? No, because I don't actually know who you are. But those sort of people are shameful, disgusting criminals. Know that you are not just, oh, it's no big deal. Everybody gets back. No, no, no. You're a criminal. A thug. Absolutely. Dang. Just had to get that off my chest. They stole my merchandise. They stole my World Series merchandise. I tried to file a claim. No one's letting me file a claim. It's done. Whoever got my package is now no the is now the, the holder. I got no no ring doorbell camera. I probably should, uh, but mm. they've they're now sitting there with with Rangers merchandise and that I'm is not. that is a brutal thing to. That's like so much worse than just losing like Christmas gifts you ordered for other people. And yeah cares about other people yeah this is world series this, this is, is my first championship this is rick butler world series champion God. merchandise gear grant ramey would be upset he would be upset he would be upset at this i'm sorry rick. i will I also would, whew, had to get that off my chest i would be furious. very i've been too. furious this morning i would also like to add uh probably not as controversy controversial as the 97 heisman race uh but tommy fraser got robbed in 95 he should have won over eddie george okay that's another that's another stand i have there okay. you go. Significantly better numbers, better team, won a national championship, best right. player in the country. Mm-hmm. So since we've been watching football religiously in the past 15 years, let's say, what's the biggest Heisman theft? Is there any that you can think of? Theft. Good, 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 good way to combine these topics. I don't really know about theft. I feel like most Bama fans would say Kyler over Tua. But oh, I- they definitely would. I have a great <laughs> video I'll show you of my uh, – good Alabama friend losing his mind during that. <laughs> and I just added in a nice, well-deserved. <laughs> the one, and honestly, I'd go the other way. I don't even know who should have won. But you're Mark Ingram won at Alabama. I was like, Trent Richardson's literally better than this dude right now. Mm. We're giving the dude, the dude who's the second best running back on his team just won the Heisman. But I don't remember as much as whether it's a theft. I guess, actually, I do know the theft. The theft was Reggie Bush winning over Vince Young. Oh, Vince okay. Young's yeah. Over. 
Nice. And then obvious, obviously that it comes out, it's announced before the championship game, but in the championship game for Reggie Bush to be, once again, the second best running back on his own team, and Vince Young to backpack to end the dynasty, kind of was like, especially made it look bad in hindsight. Yeah. So I, I just pulled up a quick article from Sports Illustrated, Mike McDaniel, uh, funny enough. Hey. Uh, here's what they have, the top five. Peyton Manning is not listed on this, by the way. Adrian Peterson in 04. O.J. Simpson in 67, Marshall Falk in 92, Tommy Frazier in 95, and then finally Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald did have insane stats. At Pittsburgh, yeah. 92, uh, so that, 92 receptions for 1,600 yards. That's like the most undeserving. Touchdowns. That's like the most. Uh, this, the headline no, was the top snubs. biggest snubs. Oh, oh snubs. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not much of a historian. Sometimes it's hard for me to go back in the memory bank, but uh, that's at least what old Mike McDaniel, writer of this article, believes. Um, what do you guys say? We get into some Tennessee football. Yeah, enough preamble. You want to start with the transfer portal. You want to start with just kind of season-ending final thoughts. I mean, Tennessee. Let's start there. Tennessee closed the season at eight and four, losses to Florida, Alabama, Georgia, and Missouri. Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. Just kind of, where's your mindset right now as we sit here in the week after the regular season and uh, kind of break this thing down? Well, we talked about it, I feel like, in our, really, it was the Georgia postgame pod because Vanderbilt was such a, such an already decided game going into it. And I said, you know, maybe I'll feel differently a few weeks later when it's not, you know, right after a game that Tennessee lost and was very uncompetitive in. But no, I feel like my takeaways are kind of the same it was a disappointing season for Tennessee and I think you know all three of us I believe picked him to go nine and three in the preseason yeah I think so I think I went to you went ten and two you know there were some ten and twos and and probably more nine and threes but you know from that standpoint eight and four is not a massive underachievement and I don't think it's just a horrific season but when you talk about how bad the SEC was this year I mean it was honestly a real opportunity for Tennessee to have another really good season without maybe quite as good as a team as they had last year. And really, I think you saw Missouri was the team that ended up doing that. and taking right. Missouri saved the SEC this year. If Missouri was Missouri, it was going to look really, really bad. Yeah, I but I do think there's a natural sense of there's when, there's only so many wins to go around. So if Missouri hadn't gotten those wins, maybe Tennessee beats Missouri and Tennessee goes 9-3 and three and looks better. I, I, I still I generally agree with your your takeaway there because it added another New Year's Six quality team to yeah. the SEC, which even if they, you know, Missouri was Missouri, as you said, and other teams beat them, I don't think necessarily would have happened. Um, so that's kind of my general thoughts. Uh, the Joe Milton gamble did not pay off. It was a bad decision for Tennessee. It wasn't their only issue. Um, and in the defense, you saw a lot of improvements the first half of the season, but uh, they just really couldn't sustain it. Injuries added up. They had improved depth, but I still think we're lacking some quality depth. Uh, and certainly, I think Kamal Haddon's absence. You saw how important he was to the past defense's improvement once he went down. And Tennessee, it felt like, had to, to change a lot of what they wanted to do in pass protection or yeah. pass coverage. I remember first half of the season, the, the secondary was looking pretty good. And I even remember one specific moment from one of the press conferences and we were talking to Willie Martinez, and he he did talk about how kind of fortunate they had been through the through the early part of the season to not have to be dealing with a lot of injuries. He knocked on wood at that moment, but it kind of since then, you see those injuries kind of pile up. And I do think that that's a conversation point kind of on the season is just the various injuries. I mean, Brew McCoy was not there for a long portion of the year. Uh, Dante Thornton got, got hurt against Missouri, so sort of for the stretch of the final part of the season. 
uh, injuries all over the place. So while that, you know, to me, that's that's obviously not an excuse. That's obviously not the last thing you talk about when you talk about the season. Uh, I do think it's worth mentioning because Tennessee did have an uphill uh, battle to climb at a couple different parts. Yeah, they did. And, you know, it, like we talked about, you never want to blame injuries for a way a season went. And it's it's... You know, it's just not good to do that for a football team. It's a team. You're supposed to overcome that type of stuff. But <clears throat> it's hard to, you know, not acknowledge the injuries that piled up on the defensive side of the ball, and they were just really depleted. And I think you put it greatly that, yeah, they had improved depth, but it wasn't quality depth, and that showed as the season went on. And, you know, they were a, a great half away from beating Alabama. If they just sustained, they, they win that game probably. And, you know, Missouri and Georgia were disasters, but – think injuries hurt and Joe Milton just not being able to be a game winner for you he, he was solid in a sense but he was not going to win you games and as the injuries piled up and things got a little more dicey on the road too, Tennessee needed that game winner and they just didn't have it yeah I'd agree and you know I don't think the injuries personally I don't think the injuries like cost Tennessee a game yeah but I think they would have been more competitive against Missouri and Georgia and the vibe of the last month of the season, while still probably not great if you lose those two games, is at least not as bad if you don't just get humiliated in those two games, which which they did. So uh, I think that's true. And uh, just the, again, I'll go back to just the inability to take advantage of a really weak SEC is what I think more than anything I'll remember about this team. But, on you know, it goes the other end too. I mean, you look at it that way, but you goes the other end. I said the same thing after Georgia game. This team was closer to being six and six and they were nine and three when you talk yeah. about the yeah. competitive games they were in and while the season was disappointing and no one wants to hear or not many people want to hear about those moral victories or whatever like there is a real positive of not letting the bottom fall off because if this team goes six and six even seven and five I think the narrative around the program it's going forward worse. from a national standpoint would be would be much worse I think at eight and four people say Tennessee just took a step back this year maybe a little bit bigger than you expect where if they go seven and five, especially to go six and six, it's like yeah, that was yeah. just one good team. The program's and, not in close to that caliber. And I mean, you look at their losses, right? Bama, Georgia, Missouri, all three in the top ten. All three going to play be playing New Year's Six bowls. So if they went nine and three, and the season Missouri had, uh, that's all well and good, right? But the Florida loss that just really makes things differently. I mean, they didn't reach a bowl game. That team was so bad. I mean. It, it, they were who we thought they were going to be. Yeah. And when they beat Tennessee, they had a little bit of hype. Like, maybe Florida's actually not going to be that bad. No, they were that bad. It, it was inexcusable for Tennessee and to again, lose that game. Uncompetitive. They, they lost that game uncompetitive. Yep. The game yeah. was over in the second quarter, yeah. which, uh, again, I think. So hard to believe, man, just looking back. How yeah, it, it really is. And I think that just brings it to another one of, my, one of my biggest takeaways long-term of how I remember this team will be just a way that they – couldn't respond to adversity in games. And, you know, Josh Heupel had the quote about how he wants his team to be remembered, and obviously he thinks very fondly of them. And, you know, a lot of what he said, I don't really know because a lot of it's practice, and if you're not around those guys every day, you, you don't know. So I'm not really going to contradict or argue with a lot of it. But he talked about, like, game day resiliency, game day, some some phrase to that sense. And I was like, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, What are you talking about? You, you guys <laughs> were losing in one game this season where you fought back and one, and that was Texas A&M, and you were never down by more than three, and you basically, I mean, you, you won because you got a D. Williams power turn for a touchdown, and not to say that that's any, like, Mickey Mouse way of winning. It's a major part of the game, but it wasn't like the offense was able to overcome it, yeah, and yeah. 
figure things out in the game they struggled. The offense never figured it out. When they moved the ball, they threw interceptions. Uh, so that part I would kind of fight Josh Heupel on. But, you know, the other parts I, I think are all probably valid. Yeah, I think you're you're certainly right there. The Texas A&M and the Kentucky wins were, were wins that took you away from that 6-6 six and six market, and, and those were resilient wins, right? You did have to battle at times in that game, especially the one in Lexington. Tennessee had to go on the road. They had to battle a, a, a tough environment in the cold at night. I mean, that's a, in a rivalry game. There's a lot that to that, and I don't want to take anything away from that, but to echo what you, what you guys have been saying, and to kind of echo what I, what I talked about at the Vanderbilt game, like I, I still don't necessarily think that the 8-4 eight and, four, eight and four season is entirely disappointing, but the way that these games were lost was yeah. uh, was quite disappointing. Well, exactly what Ryan just talked about, the fact that those losses weren't very competitive, right? And it, It's where... You know, sure that Alabama had a had a great first half by Tennessee, and they came out with a great game plan and, and were able to execute very well. Uh, but they certainly couldn't do that for four quarters. And I, I think Jack makes a great point. You look at three of the four losses, and you say those are top ten teams, right? Those are teams that are going to be playing in New Year uh, New Year Six Bowls or the playoffs. But at the same time, though, those were games that just completely got away from Tennessee, and Tennessee did not look competitive, and they had no chance of coming back in any of those games. So. Uh, definitely, I, I agree with Ryan. I, I think that's kind of the way that I'm going to remember this team is just that the losses were were big and they were loud, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of how that went down. But same question to you, Jack. Kind of how what ways will you remember how this season unfolded? Yeah, just kind of what I'm saying. Um, it's a tough question. Uh, I will remember that, like I said, Joe Milton was not – he did not – improve enough to where Tennessee could have even a chance at going to Atlanta. I'll say that to start. And I thought maybe he could. But maybe if Joe Milton can tap more into that potential, Tennessee will have a chance at making the SEC championship game. And that should be not the expectation, but that should be the goal. That should be what you're trying to reach at this point in the Hypel era to me. Yeah. Eight and four, nine and three is I mean, that was the stated run of team the goal. Yeah. They weren't shy about that. It and, wasn't and, like a Butch Jones situation. And, and, and I get locker room goals and coach goals, but like even fan goals, even yeah. if you're following the team, you should want Tennessee to, you know, make it to Atlanta at least within the next couple of years in the Hypel era. Um, but they didn't have the quarterback to do that and their defense just didn't improve enough and they didn't have enough quality depth going back to what I'm saying. But yeah, I just it's not going to be necessarily what could have been because Tennessee just didn't have the potential I thought they maybe were going to. And, yeah. and I saw that – Well, I mean, we saw it week three. We knew. After the Florida game, it's like, oh, this team is not that level. Um, so Yeah, I think kind of to that point or just to the, to the question of how you remember this team, I think a lot of it's hard to say in this moment. I think yeah. if – the Josh Heupel tenure keeps on going on an upward trajectory and we get back to seeing an offense that scores or ranks in the top 10 nationally year in and year out in scoring, you're going to say, oh, this was a blip on the radar. And it was really the Joe Milton gamble that was a bad decision and Tennessee wasn't able to overcome that. And that was their biggest issue where if we start to see this offense be more of the norm, yeah. and even not this offense be the norm because this offense was so bad, but you just don't ever see Tennessee get back to that consistent top 10 offenses like they showed in Heibel's first two years. I think you'll say, wow, this was kind of a telling moment of where this thing was headed for Josh Heupel and that Hendon Hooker was way more important than even the people who were, and I would say I was one of his biggest uh, praisers and saying this isn't going to be as good without him like people are underestimating that but even more than any of us uh, yeah, ever could have predicted so bad yeah so i think in time and it really comes down largely not not too much pressure on you buddy but uh nico Iamaliava. like that's yeah. kind of 
not even necessarily next year, but just how he looks and how Tennessee's offense goes in the next two or three years, I think will largely have a major effect on how all of us look at this 2023 season. Yeah, I th- just to further answer your question, I think before the season, the ceiling that most thought, or at least I thought, was maybe 11-1. and one. And if you're 11-1, and one, you're a CFP contender. Like the ceiling is they can beat Alabama or Georgia. It can happen. I mean, the Georgia game's in your own place. But then that ceiling was obviously lowered significantly after the Florida game. So when they finish 8-4, and four, looking back on the season now, sure, maybe you could have found a way to beat Missouri. Even though you lost by 29, maybe you you know just were clicking and were able to win that game. Don't think Missouri is some you know great, great team. And obviously, you should have beat Florida. So the ceiling, even now, looking back on it, was 10-2, in my opinion. So if you're 10-2, yeah, maybe you have an outside chance at a New Year's Six. Probably do. But you're not a CFP contender. So that was never the ceiling after the season got going. Yeah, no, I, I would I would completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah I'd say the same thing. Um, looking ahead a little bit, I was looking at this earlier. And actually, we got some breaking news here just a couple of minutes ago that let me try to pass along real quick. Uh, SEC football schedule reveal will come up on Wednesday, December 13th at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on ESPN and the SEC Network. Uh, Here's a little bit about, uh, before we do this, uh, any other kind of still directions to go from this season? No. Uh, I want to add one thing, and it's something everyone forgets about. Keenan Pilly would have been really, really helpful for Tennessee's defense. And it's... I I significantly agree with that. It, you know, he played a half of football. Yeah, I think it's hard to say to what degree. I mean, he would have been hell. He would have been a lot of beautiful. He would have definitely been better better than Elijah Herring. So, yeah, like, and Elijah your, Herring, yeah. we also found out, is not a yeah starting I mean, especially player. in November. Yeah. Like he, I felt like held in there pretty well the first two months of the season. You didn't necessarily feel like he was a starting quality player, but it was like, all right, this is a guy that's good enough that if he has to fill in for you, like he's holding his own. Kind of. Fell off off a bridge there in uh, November, it felt like. Yeah, it didn't feel like that way by the end of the season. Uh, let's talk about next season a little bit. Here's what Tennessee's schedule looks like as of now. There's a lot of dates, as we just mentioned, that are going to be yet to be released, but some of them we know, uh, and here's what it looks like. Chattanooga, August 31st, 1st. North Carolina State, September 7th. Kent State, September 14th. At Oklahoma, that's going to be a really great one, September 21st. Florida at home, October 12th. Alabama at home, October 19th. UTEP at home, November 23rd. And then a, a these games will be split out at Arkansas, at Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and at Vanderbilt. Definitely an intriguing schedule, but a, a fun season overall, just kind of when you're looking at, at where all they're going and who all they're playing and two big road games that you don't normally travel to at Oklahoma and at Arkansas. Uh, you get Mississippi State at home at some point. Interesting season coming up, and then again, that North Carolina State game on September 2nd, just in week two of the season. Yeah, it's the North Carolina State one's kind of interesting, and I, with the fact that, you know, the bowl, that's been a potential opponent for Tennessee. Yeah, I can see that that's right. this month. And that's a bowl right. game, which is like, I, I'm sure all the coaches will say all the right things about wanting to win, but like, this bowl game is not nearly as important as that game is in early next season. And yeah. It almost feels like it might have, and it would depend on like the number of players that opt out too. But like this would almost have like a preseason NFL vibe to it, where just in the sense that I don't, I can't imagine either coaching staff is going to be like revealing too much, and I think they'll call plays very bland if these two teams were to meet. Uh, yeah, were to meet in this game, which to me is kind of an interesting wrinkle that could be added if they saw it. But no, I think the other thing you know to stand out. From what we know so far, Oklahoma is the SEC opener. I think that'll be 
the first road start for Nico Yamaliava, I think, is probably a tough break or a bad tough option draw. for Tennessee. But at the same time, like, you're not going to have everything you want right in the schedule. And I think the rest of it's, you know, pretty fair. Shapes and, out pretty well. Yeah, shakes out pretty fair. And the schedule just a whole is pretty easy given I, most of these SEC teams' schedules next season. I think you want Georgia. We don't know the dates of. After UTEP, we don't know any dates, right? So that's Correct, five yeah. games. I think you want Georgia first on that list because you have three straight home games against Florida, Alabama, UTEP, and then go on the road to Athens. You d- you don't you certainly don't want it after a Fayetteville trip or anything like that. So yeah, I think if you're Tennessee, you want Georgia as that first road game. Uh, maybe it goes back to back. Maybe it all gets split up one 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 to end the season. But yeah, I I mean I maybe this is just loser thought for me, but like. I don't know. You don't think it matters? I don't think it matters. They're not beating Georgia. Just saying. Sitting, you're you're right, I but agree. I almost think it's one of those things where you'd rather position yourself. You're like, position us as bad as you want at Georgia. We're not winning that game. Position us better. <laughs> Make sure you get the rest Position going. us better for the other <laughs> games on the schedule that are closer to That's like us. when you're playing a really good team in basketball and you're like, hey, look, their superstar is going to get theirs. We're going to make yes. sure that nobody, nobody else. else. I will say, So though, they can't win off of one guy scoring 30 points. The rest of those games should be very easy. Arkansas, yeah. Kentucky, Miss State, and Vandy. I mean, maybe Miss State. You know, yeah, can Miss su- State and Knoxville and yeah. Jeff Levy's first year. I know uh, maybe they can surprise people, but yeah. I'm. I mean, Kentucky, Arkansas. I think Arkansas. Will, Arkansas should be really bad. Yeah, one yeah. of the worst teams in the SEC. Next I year. would I mean, even with old Bobby year. P. Back yeah, in, back in yeah. Fayetteville. Sam Pittman will finally get fired next year, and then Vandy to close it. I'm shocked matter. that he he didn't get let go this year. Yeah, you see them at the basketball game, and Petrino is like looking back, like. Smiling and talking to like four people, and Pittman's like this. <laughs> that's funny, he's got though. a lot on his mind. He that's a stressed out guy. <laughs> I did see the video of Bobby Petrino talking about how just clunky and convoluted that everything with Jimbo Fisher was, and he just kept sitting there apparently going, "Why are we doing it this way? Or why are we calling it this way? Like, what are we doing?" So it did seem like it was a pretty tumultuous uh, relationship between then, uh, them back there in College Station. Speaking of bowl game, as Ryan just mentioned a minute ago, Jack, you were uh, you were looking through some bowl projections uh, earlier in the week for uh, one of the great high and tight con- uh, high and tight content pieces that we do in partnership with uh, the Great Gambooses Barbershop of Knoxville. We love them. Um, what were you kind of seeing? What was kind of uh, out there? I think a lot of us kind of have the same general idea of where yeah. this thing is going to going, but I have not done a big bowl projection article yet this week. Typically, we've done one each week, the final half of the season. And you can definitely tell that it is all funneling down to a trendy location against a trendy team. What did you find out in your research kind of this week? Yeah, I mean, it just feels like Gator Bowl is by far the clear favorite. I mean, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, pretty much every alley you look at in the past four to five days has Tennessee in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. The opponents vary, but it feels like UNC is, you know, kind of the clear favorite. NC State I've seen a couple of times, but it almost feels like Jacksonville – nearly a certainty at this point, just with all the projections I'm seeing. Tampa's an outside chance, the ReliQuest Bowl, and maybe Dukes Mayo is still a possibility in Charlotte, but it feels like they're going to Jacksonville and they'll be playing a school from North Carolina. Yeah, it does feel like that. I, I'm pretty out on the Dukes Mayo Bowl. I am definitely out on the Music City I don't, Bowl. I, I, don't I don't think, think that one there. is yeah. uh, even I'd be surprised. Quite, I'd be I think for a stunned lit- if they're not in Florida. I, yeah. yeah, I think for a litany of different reasons, uh, Music City Bowl will not be an option on the table. Uh, it does seem like Jacksonville is the likely destination against the uh, in the Gator Bowl. Varying opponent, 
North Carolina State and North Carolina have been two come projections. I was actually, while we were in Chapel Hill waiting for the Rick Barnes press conference, I was talking to one of the guys who uh, was down there with UNC Athletics, and, and he was like, mm. hey, I think we're going to, you know, I think we might be meeting back up here in about a month or so uh, yeah. down in Jacksonville. And I said, I, I think that could be potentially true as well. So selection soul will be this Sunday afternoon or I don't know if it's at noon or five. It's at or, noon. Is that Eastern? Noon? Okay, hour great. before kick. Yeah. It's at noon Eastern time, right before the NFL game day starts. Uh, so we will have all the coverage for you over on Racket Up Insider, but it does seem like Gator Bowl is going to be a likely destination. Uh, now, one other thing that I found interesting with kind of talking about this Gator Bowl spot, Gator Bowl is going to be on December 29th, right? Mm-hmm. Transfer portal is a little bit different this year. There's a 30-day window that starts on December 4th, which is going to be next Monday. That's when the portal officially opens. Last year, I believe only six Tennessee players entered the transfer portal before the Orange Bowl, and then uh, the majority of them came after that, after they got the opportunity to play in that game, uh, go through all those festivities. With it now being a shrunken portal window, only 30 days, I do think that you're going to get a, a higher likelihood of players jumping into the portal before the bowl game. I also just don't think that the Gator Bowl is as marquee of a matchup as as the Orange Bowl is, right? Even if, again, I'm not a college football player entering the transfer portal, so I don't know. But if it was me thinking about it, I'd I'd think, hey, you know, maybe I'd lose a little bit of of a jump start trying to find my next team. But the Orange Bowl is an opportunity I don't want to miss out on, right? Especially if I might be going somewhere else that's definitely not going to be there. So with that not being the case this year, with that window being shrunken down a little bit, I do think that you're going to see more transfer portal activity from Tennessee uh, before the bowl game. And again, that's not me saying that I expect more players. I don't know how many players are just going to jump into. I'm just talking about when they do. I think it's more likely going to be before the bowl game in the month of December. I think that's true. And I think even adding to that point, like I think Tennessee will have less veterans, proven players, opt out of the bowl game this year than they did last year. So they had last year, they had yeah. a lot of guys that were going to be top three or four round picks. And there's a couple of those options this year. I can see Jalen Wright opting out or, you know, maybe Tyler Barron. But besides that, like all these other veterans, I think are going to play for Tennessee. So where maybe in that game there was a sense for some of those younger players that they might get an opportunity to show themselves on the field and kind of build mm. uh, more of a case, uh, make themselves more valuable when they enter the portal. I'm not necessarily sure. If you were a young Tennessee player on this team who wants to transfer and you haven't been playing this season, I don't really see a huge path to you getting like a lot more playing time in the Gator Bowl. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And the opt-out's a good point, too. I mean, you said Wright and Barron. Do we think Joe's a possibility? Maybe he's going to Senior Bowl because of all this, you know, the the pre-draft hype that's inevitably going to come, right? And it's going to start just flooding in here sometime soon. That's that's maybe my biggest one of my biggest question marks over the month of December is just kind of what does Joe Milton's pre-draft NFL process look like? Does he decide, hey, you know what, I need to go have another good showing, you know, uh, against a team of a North Carolina caliber of a, of a North Carolina State caliber? I need to go have one more proven good game, especially maybe coming off that 333 yard game. Maybe you can hang your hat on that one and leave your career there. But I also think maybe there's a sense of. I want to go and do it again, right? I, I want to go and prove that I can throw the ball. I can move the ball downfield. I can win a marquee game like this. Um, that's definitely a big question mark heading into the uh, the next couple of weeks. And, a- again, as sort of this NFL dra- draft buzz continues to swirl about. Yeah, I struggle with it. I-, I feel like if I'm Joe Milton, I would play in it. But it's hard to say. I mean, I, I could easily see where he doesn't. But I-, I feel like if I had to bet on it, I'd say he plays. Uh, 
and there's not going to be many opt outs out. You know, really, I, I'd say it's under under five for sure, maybe even under three. You know? Yeah, I, I'd I'd say it's a pretty reasonable bet right there. Just yeah, the Mil- thinking about it off the top of my the head, the Milton thing will just be interesting because, again, with these bowl games just being like less important and stuff, it just feels like a, such a good opportunity to get Nico some. <clears throat> Yeah. Starting Guys. experience before next year. Against against a formidable defense, too. UNC's like, defense isn't good. Yes. So but should be a still good against a better defense than he's faced <laughs> at all this right. season in his limited playing yeah. time. Vanderbilt. You, I mean, you know, UTSA. He's, uh, he's going to. UConn. They're going to wax Chattanooga, and then he's going to go play NC State, which is a physical punch-you-in-the-mouth defense in Charlotte. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think if I'm t- if I'm Tennessee, I want I want to start. Yeah, Nico, maybe you're right. You know? Maybe if it is North Carolina State, you want to give your you know quote unquote rookie quarterback you know a chance to kind of see the competition a little bit, maybe have fresh eyes as that'll be a huge marquee game uh, coming up in week two of the season next year. Speaking of the transfer portal, we got our first Tennessee news last night, which was what was last night? What was last night? Thursday night. Thursday, Thursday night. Remember, it's Victory Friday, so you got to work. You're right. Around good that. call. Good yeah. call. It's Victory Friday. It's also Theft Friday. Uh, <laughs> According to the people of my complex, um, Warren Burrell, Tennessee redshirt senior defensive back, has uh, reportedly entered the trans. Excuse me, he is set to enter the transfer portal. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but again, that doesn't officially open up until Monday, uh, excluding the players whose head coach left or was fired in the middle of the season. So we got reports on Thursday night that Warren Burrell. Again, redshirt senior defensive back is set to enter the portal, or he will be. Uh, A guy that spent five years at at Tennessee had his most productive season in 2021. He got hurt, I believe, two games into the 2022 season. Uh, Did not make it back to the field in that season. Did come back for his redshirt senior year this year in 2023, uh, but saw very limited playing time. He he did play in all games but two. Uh, The two that he missed right there in the middle of the season were Texas A&M and South Carolina. Uh, but did see some playing time. Not a ton, obviously, a, a good bit of it limited. Uh, but I think kind of first and foremost, the story there is Tennessee's first player uh, has, you know, sort of made his intentions or reportedly had his intentions out there uh, that he will be entering on Monday whenever it opens. Yeah, and again, I don't think this is a massive deal. He was essentially, I guess, a third-string corner, at least when you talk about opening a season or opening a season Depth chart because you had Haddon and Judy Lolly as the starters, and then Slaughter and Turnage as the backups, and then Burrell was kind of in that next group. I guess probably Ricky Gibson. Um, so not a massive loss. I mean, not a. I didn't expect him to be back in Tennessee. He's one of those seniors yeah. that still has eligibility remaining, so he'll go somewhere else and try to find a place you can find a little more consistent consistent playing time. Uh, should we go over that list real quick? I know we did it against uh, after the Vanderbilt game, but I, I think more people listen to our weekly show. Yeah, it's, I mean it's really long, but eh. you're do your, you do your best to hit the highlights, I guess. All right, all right, that's I, a good. I'll, one. I'll provide my information before. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's just, 38 seniors on the roster. Well, I think the people who will have more talking points are are, I think we can get through a, a good bit of them, but uh, the guys out of eligibility, just flat out. Jalen McCullough, D. Williams, Aaron Beasley, Ramel Keaton, Roman Harrison, Jeremiah Crawford, Kamal Haddon, Joe Milton, Charles Campbell, McCallan Castles, uh, Alston Stevens, Ali Lane, Jacob Warren, Austin Lewis, Karat Garland. Now is where it gets a little complicating. Linebacker Keenan Peely, uh, you guys can can kind of add where it is here, but Ryan, I'm reading directly from your writing uh, over on RockyTopInsider.com where you can go and find all this information. Linebacker Keenan Peely, 
2023 season was Peely's sixth and final year of eligibility, but a uh, a medical redshirt could be applied for since he only played one game, and he was not one of the players that went through senior day festivities. So maybe you kind of read into that a little bit. Maybe he's kind of thinking about this decision in his head, but uh, that's something that that would have to be applied for is that medical redshirt, considering this was his last year, but... Who knows? So that one's a little bit more complicated, but maybe the only of the mm-hmm. true complications, right? The rest are, yeah. are just a decision to be made. Also, you just coined a new term, medshirt. Medshirt. Medshirt? Like Did I, I like say that. that? Why has that not been a thing? Wow. Or is that a thing? And I'm just I've never, no, I've never heard that of That should be a thing. The medshirt. Wow, we have proof. I'm claiming it. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm yours. trademarking it. It's yours. All right. Yeah, and the... Take that, Porch Pirates. I think, you know, there's a lot of names that... You'll be looking at it'll be interesting, but you know the ones that I'd kind of highlight would be the two guys on the offensive line or the two interior offensive line starters that didn't go through senior day, Spragans and Mays. We saw it, I mean, in the last couple games of the year, just how bad Tennessee's depth is on the offensive line. And granted, we knew that, and we knew it's a lot of the, the young guys that they were recruiting, they don't seem necessarily poised to step into a bigger role as of next season. Obviously not ruling that out being a thing in time. So I think those would be important, especially uh, when you talk about having a f- first-year starting quarterback behind them. And then uh, I'd look at Amari Thomas, too, as a guy that I think he's got a football future. Like A lot of these guys I think the decision is more, yeah. do you want to be done playing football or do you want to play another season? Amari Thomas will at least be able to get a cup of coffee in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so he's what does chance. his draft stock kind of look like this year? Does he feel like he can improve it by coming back? Uh, and that's the spot that Tennessee doesn't have a ton of depth at. Yeah. And just to run through a couple more game uh, names, the guys that still have eligibility remaining, Danico Slaughter, Jabari Small, Tyler Barron, Tamarian McDonald, Amari Thomas, Cooper Mays, Javante Spragans, Gabe, Judy Lolly, Brandon Turnage, Elijah Simmons, Wesley Walker, Quase Garland, Brew McCoy, Michael Bittner, Matthew Solansky, Isaac Green, Parker Ball, Dane Davis, John Campbell Jr., one of the favorites from this season, John Campbell Jr., Jackson Lampley, uh, and Hunter Salmon. A couple of juniors who went through senior day festivities, Jack Jancic, Omar Norman Lott, Will Albright, uh, Gaston Moore, Braden Krivich. Uh, so a lot of names there. Again, in case you missed any of those, you can go back and find them on RockyTopPinstar.com. The article that you're looking for is titled, Which Tennessee Seniors Still Have Eligibility Remaining? So just go search seniors and you will find it. I think it would be so huge for Nico if Brew came back. And Massive, yeah. And yeah, Brew yeah. should. Like, yeah. I mean, if you have one full season as the guy in Heupel's offense with a what we think is going to be a good quarterback, like the, he'll get drafted in the third round put up at numbers. least. So I I think he'll come back. And Dante should be should be back. Yeah, right? he's back. Yeah. Okay, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I think you start with those two guys on the outside, and you've got a pretty squirrel. Good, yeah. You know, squirrel on yeah, the inside. Yeah, but see, I I would fight back against all of this. I don't think Tennessee can just run it back at receiver. They need to. Be trying their hardest to go out and get a number no, one. Sure. You just named three receivers that aren't number one. So. <laughs> what? Brew can be a number one. No. Get out of here. Brew McCoy <laughs> a number one in the SEC? I don't see why not. Not fast enough to be a big play threat. I mean, he can be a good like a good number two, solid number three. He's not a number one. Just not a number one. I'm sorry. And Joe Milton, I know, is not great. We got half a season of seeing Brew McCoy is nowhere close to being a number one, in my in my opinion. I think Ryan provides a pretty good argument there when you lay it out like that. I think I do think that he can be a two right there. I think what Tennessee was really especially missing this year was sort of that Jalen Hyatt speed on the outside. Obviously, Squirrel White worked a considerable amount inside, and they tried to use his speed. 
But again, just guys that, that they can get to move the ball downfield, I think that's going to be important. And I, I get it. Brook can stretch the field. It's It was four and a half games, and maybe he yeah. gets better as the season goes on. But he had 217 yards, man. He's averaging out there 50 yards a game. And I get the quarterback play wasn't great, but the receiver play was not uh-huh. good this season for Tennessee either. Uh, I will... Oh, something I'm going to be echoing all offseason when I, everybody just look, thinks everything was Joe's fault. I am totally on board with Tennessee getting a portal guy to replace Keaton and, and be better as an outside guy. But I think Brew is just fine. I, I f- yeah, Brew is definitely starting quality good. Completely agree. Getting him back would be a big win for Tennessee. Like I completely agree with all that. I just think your plan can't be Brew McCoy is your number one. Maybe Dante Thornton can grow into that. But again, you talk about a gamble. That's a massive gamble. Yeah, I don't think that'll happen. He's got to me. He's got a number one skill set more than Brew McCoy does. Now he might not have the consistency. He probably he probably doesn't have the consistency. He certainly didn't show it this season. Um, but I see his ceiling as being higher than Bruce. Interesting football talk right there as we wrap up sort of the Tennessee football portion of. Oh man, now you've got my mind stuck on on this thought. I I, I do agree though. You've you've convinced me. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. I think we pretty much got through all our football stuff. Plus, we're about 45, uh, 40 minutes into the podcast so far. So plus, we'll have we get multiple a, more podcasts yeah, before the bowl right. game to Still talk about the exact recruiting. same stuff. Hey, yeah. I know we're about to go into hoops, but sure. we got to finish with our CFP predictions at some point. I'll go Georgia. Oregon, Texas, Michigan. Rick? I will say Georgia, Michigan, Oregon. Yeah, and I guess Texas. I guess that, that you, you know if sense. FSU wins, they're getting in original. Texas. <laughs> so y'all both think Florida State's Ori- losing. He says I original. Th- I do think Florida State's I losing. I first laid out those four teams on the drive to North Carolina two days ago. So I am the original here. He, so so y'all think I am this the original. is such misinformation. This is a misinformation clinic over here. All right. So I guess now technically y'all think all favorites win because apparently Louisville's favored over Florida State. But you got Florida State losing. And then the, other, the God, four I just favorites. don't want to see me, Florida State. Like I'll be so, like I, uh, I'm so sick of these. No, I don't games want them not being competitive. Just don't put them in. Put the four best but, teams. But on. I don't know if they lose no. to Louisville. Yeah, and you better put them in if God, you don't. It's gonna suck. Right. They, they have yes, to make but it. But I, I to your suck. point, I am not. My not having Florida State in is because I think Louisville suck. will beat them on Saturday. Okay, that's fair. I'm going. Hey, Bama's winning. I was gonna say I'm no. more. Yes. I'm more confident in. The, the results ridiculous. that I didn't go with there, I would say I'm least confident in Louisville beating Florida State, and the next one would be Georgia. Like, I think there's a better chance Bama beats Georgia than Washington beats Oregon. I agree. I agree. It, the, yeah, the you know, upsets, it's only a 20-whatever game win streak. For the time being. But the upset ranks, like, the most likely, I think, is Louisville and then Bama. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think I, I think just, Alabama's got a chance, but it won't happen. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't pick no, it, so I'm not... It I don't, won't I don't happen. It's going to truly believe... What? what I, see, I think I see it a very similar way to you, Jack, but what's keeping me from getting there is I'm just like, Jalen Miller is just still limited, and I think Georgia will do enough to take away him running the ball. I... I refuse to pick against them until they give me a reason That's not fair. to. What's the reason not to? They're not as good up front defensively. <laughs> they don't have a pass rush. Yeah. Dude, Melrose going to carve them up. That, Miller, that, see, that, that really, that that really hurt them getting to 29 consecutive wins well, this season. Well, here's who they, here's who they <laughs> Come beat. Come on, they, people. Here's who they beat to get to 29 consecutive wins. Their second best win of the season was this Tennessee team that we just talked about underachieving. 
Maybe third best third. win. Third. Look, but, but Ole that, Miss but that's and the thing. other two were at home, and the other two were at home against teams that they're significantly better. If than. you're Georgia, who cares about September football? You care yeah, that in the no, month of November that. you beat top ten Ole Miss, top ten Missouri, top twenty five Tennessee, and you're rolling. You're absolutely rolling. They're rolling also because Ole Miss is extremely fraudulent and Tennessee <laughs> is extremely fraudulent. Missouri is good, mm-hmm. good win, and, Missouri and they barely beat them. Barely is a little bit. No, of a that was close. It was close, but barely, and it was competitive. It wasn't even really close. What? It was competitive. It was close. It was close. Missouri in, was leading, like in the fourth quarter, at one point. In the fourth quarter, at the very beginning of the fourth quarter, they might have been. It was the last six minutes, seven minutes of the game. There were exactly zero belief <laughs> that Missouri was going to win that game from anyone. But it was competitive. To your point. I'm not trying to stand for Georgia here. It's just you guys are attacking where I've already placed my money right. on the season, so I'm just yeah, trying to defend true. my. I'm trying to defend my money here. I, okay, the, I, I need it to rebuy my merchandise. <laughs> I'm saying one Michigan, two Oregon, three Texas, and then four. If Florida State loses, and Bama wins, Bama's in. Bama, Bama wins, Bama's in. Yeah. No, not necessarily. Florida oh. State wins. They ain't. No, they're in. They're no, getting, they're not. They're oh. getting in over Texas. They're, no, they're not. They are. It's I'm not going to happen. No, it, it's the exact opposite. It shouldn't happen, but it is it won't exactly happen. what will happen. Dude, the, the fact that the committee has Ohio State still ahead of Bama, it's just not going to happen. The committee is the most spineless thing on the face <laughs> of the earth. Did you, do you sit Bama there? You actually Texas. do. I actually don't. I don't sit there and watch the head of the committee talk about it every week because I couldn't care less about oh, these he, yeah, top he, 25 rankings. He Rick actually, Rick, te- we were texting about it on Tuesday. Uh, Look behind the curtain. Planning of the story of Tennessee, where they rank in the college football playoff yeah. uh, rankings. Yeah, and the Tennessee filed an AP poll this week, and Rick was texting me like, "Yeah, maybe it'll fall out, but I'll you know I'll handle it. I'll be on top of it." I was like, "They're not falling out. The committee is going to do everything in their possible yeah. power to make sure <laughs> Alabama looks good, so they can yeah. get in when they win." Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, the only the only reason they kept them at twenty one. My only hesitation to maybe believing. Your side of this, Jack, is that Texas is joining the SEC. If, te- if Texas was not joining the SEC, there's no chance in the world that the SEC is getting left out, especially when it's Alabama and they haven't lost a game in three months. Georgia's oh, not man, I can't wait. So, I can't wait. Let's move on. Tonight it starts. Let's, let's go. <laughs> we, got, we got business to wrap up with. We got business to wrap up with. Let's talk a little Tennessee basketball. Uh, because we might not be able to spend as much time on it today, we might need to come back next week and uh, maybe do another kind yeah. of, uh, you know. Heavier say, basketball. Yeah, dive into some deeper thoughts. There's, Look, there's a lot of things to talk about with basketball, way more than we're going to be able to get into right now. But uh, let's just hit the highlights. Tennessee on a three-game losing streak. Sounds bad. The lowlights. The lowlights. Yeah. Good call. Uh, three-game losing streak. You never want to be in that kind of position. That's obviously not a good place to be. However... You kind of give a little bit of leeway considering Tennessee took on the number one team in the country, the number two team in the country. Those were on back-to-back days. Uh, And then number 17 in a very hostile environment that was Chapel Hill. Ryan, how much have your expectations changed from the beginning of the season, kind of those first couple games, to where we are now after this three-game slide? I think when you talk about long-term expectations, pretty little. Okay. Serious, no doubt, some like serious concerns that you take away from these losses for Tennessee, and you know I wouldn't have picked them to go zero and three and not stretch by any means either. But I just still think I look at things of you know I look at things individually, like different aspects of this team. I still find myself 
encouraged and intrigued with stuff. Dalton Connect, yeah. even after you know not playing great in those Purdue or Kansas games. Obviously, he gets injured in the North Carolina game, so this is assuming that he will be healthy going forward. I still think is that lead dog scored that Tennessee's been missing, and Tennessee can get to play at a really high level. I think Jonas Adu has sneakily been one of Tennessee's most improved, best players this season. Uh, I think they need Tobey Awaka back. I'm still high on what Awaka can give them. And then, you know, you, you would look at, Side of all right, the negative of what's been bad for Tennessee this year, what hasn't lived up to par, and you know, part of the reason they've lost these games. Well, Santiago Vescovi has not played very well. I'm still not worried about him. I think he'll get things back on track. And then Zakai Ziegler, uh, which I do have more concern about in my you know, kind of takeaways and questions story coming from the Maui Invitational. That's what I asked like, can Tennessee get Zakai Ziegler back to some semblance of he was last year because he had not been that through Tennessee's first six games? Um, yeah, six games. But he played yeah. against North Carolina. That's by far the best we've seen him play this year. So, to me, that was a positive sign. So, concerns, areas of worry, things to be upset about. Sure, definitely. Um, but it's thirty game basketball season, and it's a long, long, long time away from March. And I still like the pieces on this team, and I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. And especially if they can get healthy, because man, talk about some bad injury luck they've now had, kind of coming on right. A season and a half. It just feels like it's been constant injury questions with a number of important pieces. Yeah, and Don Connect's the big one to look at right there. I, I, I do leave these this three-game slide and, and really just go back to kind of the beginning of the Maui Invitational Tournament to talk about it all. Uh, but the Wisconsin game in the middle, or, you know, kind of before that as well, I, I still do believe that, that Tennessee has a lot of really good pieces on the roster, defensive pieces, offensive pieces, transition pieces. To me, it's just kind of about still the the early season chess game of figuring out how to put those pieces together uh, in the most efficient way possible. And, and I completely agree with you, Ryan. I, I think that there are lots of uh, areas for improvement. I think they've they, you know those those areas have been exposed to them over the last couple of games. They they understand where those are, uh, and there's deficiencies. There's a couple of limitations that they're going to have to work through. Uh, but at the end of the day, this is a really long season. There's a lot of time to head. That's why you you try to get in as many of these big games as, as you can early on in the season. Yes, it's to bolster the the roster, or excuse me, the uh, the final standings and the schedule and everything. But at the same time, man, you want to you want to put your best against some of the other best players in the nation. You've pu- you've played Hunter Dickinson. You've played Baycott from North Carolina. You've played Edie from from Purdue, right? You've gone up against great competition. You've seen Jonas uh, Jonas Adu start to really kind of find his footing in some of these places. I think that's a really positive sign moving forward. So I'm with you. I, I, I'm really intrigued about what this team is going to be, how they're going to shake out. But uh, little, you know, concerns coming out of that three game slide. Obviously, all being those really good teams, did not necessarily expect them to lose three straight games uh, of that caliber. But I still think that Tennessee's got a lot of road ahead of them, and we'll see kind of just how they make their adjustments and then keep uh, keep going down it. Certainly, and you know, I'm always a huge proponent of scheduling tough games, as Rick Barnes likes to say. You can't win big games if you don't schedule them. Um, but the concern on that is to go overload and wear out your team too much before, especially before if you get to like a challenging conference schedule, which Tennessee will have. So, uh, you know, I, I do – it's been a lot. I mean, they've they played at Michigan State in an exhibition game, then at Wisconsin, then they traveled all the way to Hawaii and played uh, two extremely hard games and then another power f- or big six opponent on uh, a third day, and then now at North Carolina. So it's been a lot. Like They've played a lot of challenging games and a lot of high-intensity, high-stakes games for being three weeks in the season. Uh, I do think it, 
Now, for the fans, for us, it's a little more boring, but December will settle down. They get yeah. a good Illinois team at home, uh, and then they'll play North Carolina State in San Antonio, who's you know a decent North Carolina State team, but a, a game Tennessee will be favored to win. Besides that, Tennessee gets a little bit of a break, and, and SEC play starts a little bit later this year. Uh, I think maybe January 6th is their first SEC game against Ole Miss. So uh, Tennessee will have really about a six-week stretch to kind of get their feet under them, uh, playing a little bit easier games, and, and hopefully – Get it, putting a little less workload on some of those guys like Jonas Adu and Josiah Jordan-James and, and Dalton Connect. North Carolina State, North Carolina, and Tennessee are really all over yeah. each other's radars right now they as, are. Uh, as we kind of go through these winter months. The only other takeaway I had, and especially coming out of the North Carolina game, and I know it's a far away ways and, and there's still an injury that you got to get through as well, but Dalton Connect just strikes me as a March-type player. Right, that's the kind of guy that I think you need to you need to turn to when the offense isn't looking as good, and you say, "Hey, we need buckets," and, and he can go out there and perform a. Not saying it's an expectation or even an easy thing to to uh, replicate, but you know, he's the kind of guy that can break out for a thirty-seven point type of game, just like he did against North Carolina. So, just watching that game in Chapel Hill, I was like, "Man, this this is a March, you know, this is a March caliber player right here." Uh, who knows what, what the team's going to look like and, and how things are going to shape out as we are on the road uh, to that month uh, a good bit away. But definitely, definitely just continue to be impressed by what he does. We'll see about this ankle injury and, and how big of a deal that is and as we get more information on it. Certainly, and you know, it kind of, that's the other good part of what I just talked about six weeks until they start SEC play. If you know, it is uh, more serious than a very slight ankle injury. Then Tennessee has some time to, yeah, to get him back and, and try to get him back to full speed. It's almost as if it was if it was going to happen. Yes, it's the best time. Yeah, completely, completely agree. And even really, their first couple SEC games, the Ole Miss, Ole Miss. I think they play at Mississippi State, which will be a hard one. Um, and then I think they have two at Georgia and Florida at home before they get somebody Bama, Bama, here. Bama here. So. Um, not that these games are, you know, easy wins without Dalton Connect or even with Dalton Connect, but Illinois at home and North Carolina State at neutral site. If Dalton Connect doesn't play, Tennessee will still be favored in both those games. So uh, I think it's as good as time to come. And, yeah, it, it sucks for him to have gotten injured, and it just sucks that he had such a special performance in a game that both Tennessee lost and he got hurt. Yeah. So just yeah. so much of the conversation that would normally be about a performance like that just didn't take place. But – They've been playing basketball at the d Smith Center for 37 years, one of the storied venues in the sport. ACC basketball is you know, traditionally the pillar of the sport. No one's, no opposing player has gone into the, to the Dean Dome and scored more points than Dalton Connect, and he would have the outright record if he could have gone, gone to the free throw line on the play, ah, the free on the play that he got injured on. So, uh, yeah, we needed like a Kobe Bryant moment. Yeah. Send him out yeah. there to, <laughs> just to, to just shoot, the, shoot the free throws and then then get him back yeah. over to the bench. Uh, one quick thing. Uh, quick shout-out to uh, uh, Vols by 50 Matt on Twitter. He's a he's a, a, a friend of the show, a friend of RTI. He, he gave us a shout-out down there in Chapel Hill, and I, I, I found him in the stands as okay, well. And nice. Got to talk to him for a good minute, and he was very uh, – you know, a very good guy. He sounded like he was there with his family, and I think his son was there, something like that. But, uh, yeah, gave us a shout-out during the game. He was there, so went over and talked to him. And just cool. a quick shout-out real quick. Yeah, there were a lot of Tennessee fans there. There which were. isn't shocking. And, you know, we're kind of uh, – the press seating at the Dean Smith Center was in the upper deck, so we were kind of close to where a lot of them were. But, you know, Tennessee was making that comeback. There were a couple – 
pretty loud yeah. like defense chants yeah. from the Tennessee fans. And obviously, again, we were closer to closer proximity to a lot of them. Uh, but but Tennessee fans traveled well for that one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here today. We are approaching. Uh, one hour of a recording, which is typically a little bit longer than we normally do, but hey, a lot of football to get to today. And then like we had alluded to a minute ago, let's go ahead and come back next week and, and dive a little bit more deeper into some of this Tennessee basketball conversation because, man, there's a lot right now that's going on. And judging by the social media reactions, there's a lot of people who have questions, uh, have kind of big reactions that, that we want to break down and try to square things up a little bit. So we will get to that soon. But other than that, guys, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. What do you say? I'm good with me. That's all I got. All right. Well, in that case, uh, another quick public service announcement. Do not steal from people's porches. (laughs) Uh, It'll make them very sad, and that's what I've been today. I've been very sad. So don't do that. Show a little love this this holiday season. Show a little love this this month of December. And stay tuned to Rocky Top Insider. You can visit us at RockyTopInsider.com. You can find all of our Tennessee news notes and coverage there as we continue to make our way through the bowl season, through basketball season, uh, whatever else is going on. Also, be sure to check us out on social media. You can follow us at Rocky Top Insider on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. we got videos and posts going out every single day on those platforms. So wherever you are, we will be there as well. Uh, if you want to follow Jack Foster on Twitter, you can do that at Jack Foster Media. If you want to follow my guy Ryan Shumpert on Twitter, you can do that at rshump00. That is S-C-H-U-M-P. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. That is just R-I-C with no K like the nature boy himself. Otherwise, just make sure you're checking out Rocky Top Insider each and each and every day as we continue to provide as much Tennessee news, notes, and coverage as possible. Gentlemen, that's going to wrap us up. Have a wonderful holiday season. We will see you back here next week as we continue to break down the latest in Tennessee football, basketball, and whatever else is going on. For Ryan, for Jack, I'm Rick. This has been the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. <laughs>